Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this week's Design Talk podcast. The topic for this week is caring about knowledge. So we are interested in exploring the practical challenges of learning and growing in the who, where, what, why, and how in organizations, particularly in the kind of organizations or particularly the kind of practices or behaviors we will need to interact with and manage global partners and ultimately to be global partners. I'm absolutely thrilled this morning to be joined by Lizzie McComish. So just a bit of background, Lizzie is currently a global service delivery manager. She's also a Smurfit alumni, graduating with an MSc in marketing in 2014. So you're a global service delivery manager. What on earth does that mean for us? We are responsible for managing an outsourced vendor. It's kind of like a, a program manager style of role. You're kind of given your own business to, to run. And I suppose in a way you're kind of the client with who you would work with and manage the vendor that they've been outsourced to do work on behalf. And it depends a lot of companies. You can outsource any type of particular work really to a vendor um, or even just a, a contracting individual. But from a, I suppose, from a service delivery, we also call it a transaction enable manager role where you are responsible, I suppose, for the, the output that that vendor puts out. And you're, you're basically making sure that, that, that they're, they're delivering what they're supposed to be delivering. Brilliant, Lizzie. Thanks so much for that. In terms of soft skills, then, what would you say the key soft skills for a global service delivery manager? I would say that the the key you know skills that are required would be very much relationship management and stakeholder management. Um, I know it differs between different companies, but I know in the company that I'm in, having those skills is really crucial because you're engaging with multiple people. So you've got the that you've got the vendor themselves that you're engaging with. You'd also, in my particular role. I'm also engaging with, you know, very executive level individuals that are, you know, who are reallocating the budget aside to make sure that this work is getting done and it's getting done correctly. And then you'd also be engaging with the likes of business intelligence analysts, where you would get your data from, where you who you would work with, utilize reporting to be able to kind of show the, the business case and the base of the value that the, the vendor's delivering and making sure that you're holding them accountable. And then you'd also be engaging with contracting so making sure that you know when it comes to any types of issues that could arise with a vendor that you know you're protected by the contract and that they're protected too and if there is you know ever any instance whereby there could be compliance issues or performance issues potentially and that you've got the contract to kind of fall back on to make sure that the the vendor is holding up their end of the bargain so i'd say there there are a lot of like stakeholder management relationship management i suppose in general in my own personal opinion and experience you know having a good relationship with the vendor I find that you can probably get a lot more out of an agreement or uh, you know from a deliverable standpoint you can probably get a lot more out of a vendor than what's you know a certain KPI because you're able to that because you have that relationship in there and, and they want to do well by you and by your team, I find that having a good way of managing them, treating them, treating them really well, like an extension of your own team and avoiding that kind of them versus us kind of mantra. I find that once they're, they feel like they're part of the team, which essentially they are, you're all working towards the same goal. I find that you can achieve an awful lot more once you've got that type of approach. Brilliant. Yeah. And we'll, we'll hone in now on the on the vendor side of things. So what kind of services in your line of work do you need to look to vendors for? I can kind of give a bit of a, a background. Like, like you said, I'm nearly seven years in role. And funnily enough, every role I've had in the company in operations has involved vendor management. And 
it can depend it, it totally depends on and it varies on the the work that's required to be done but I suppose for me um it's very much been kind of the transaction end of it so basically when you're for example if you're a business and you purchase you know volume license and um, the actual transaction side of it um we would we, we would outsource and then we also might so that was kind of the the first role that I was in the second role where I was managing at Global Vendor that was doing our outsource and um, kind of tele sale renewals and then the current role I'm in which I've been in nearly four nearly two years now it's basically doing a similar type of approach as the first role I had the vendors uh, managing the transaction side of it but it's for a totally different side of the business so the first role was volume licensing this side of the this particular area that I'm in now is more our consulting and IT support business. Perfect. And I get the impression from what you've said so far that the relationship is key once you're in the relationship. I was just wondering before that, like how you would you go about selecting a vendor for those lo- those types of projects? So basically they would ha- open up a tender process, tendering pro- process whereby now in being totally transparent, that type of selection of the vendor would happen at a, at a much higher level or it would be agreed by my Bosses, 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 bosses. It's a very executive, senior place where they kind of have these types of negotiations and discussions. But basically, they would hold out a tender and you would have um, different companies that would kind of pitch their proposal and they would go about showing what they predict, you know, that what they can deliver, costs associated to it. And I suppose when it comes to actually implementing it, you would bring people like myself that are kind of very close to the business where you would be kind of trying to work out whether they'd be a good fit. But the folks that would actually come in the first place where you'd have your big kind of, you know, your global brand, vendor suppliers, that would be kind of just when they would come into the equation first would kind of happen at a much kind of higher level, if that makes sense. Of course, yeah. Um, I'll pivot to a question we've, we've got from the audience. Yeah. So uh, I'll let Alan jump in. I was thinking that if you walked into a, a new client-side engagement, and you looked at a, the existing supplier management team, what would you see as, oh, that's great. I can see this is run well. And these are the kind of features of a, of a well-run team. And you'd like to, you know, you'd expect to see in place. Yes. So the first thing I would look at would be like, what's their business rhythm of business? Like when it comes to their, you know, how do they look at their year how are they so when I just think about the first one that comes into my head was my second role where I was managing a global vendor that did the outsource kind of renewal telesales calls and like basically I like to kind of physically when I can I know it's different with the pandemic right now but back then I used to go, go to one of the sites and one of them was in Dublin and I used to sit down and kind of shadow all the 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 agents in their calls but when it came to actually looking at whether how are they how are they running I would look at their rhythm of business are their managers holding these people accountable to their targets you know when it comes to reviewing their pipeline how are they managing their people how are they making sure that they have everything that they need to succeed and I suppose I'd be more concerned if they're telling me everything's fine everything's good and they're not asking me for any help because I feel like there's always stuff that can do better to help the vendor to make sure that they're they have everything they need whether it's for example if they needed you know good selling pitches better call scripts making sure that they're getting training to sell in the local language because it gives that type of you know local um 
feel for when a customer uh, gets a phone call. If you live in Germany, you want to make sure that you're getting someone that can speak German and have a natural conversation. And I suppose one of the things I know it sounds I don't feel like you can really put it on paper, but I feel like a culture thing is a big thing. You know, if, for example, you could have a situation where I noticed it, like if I asked, can I shadow an agent? And the agent kind of looks at the manager and they're kind of going, oh, like, uh, you know, are you sure type of thing? And they kind of get a bit worried about it. I kind of look at the manager to be able to be like, no, 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 everything's fine. Like it, like there, like there's nothing to hide. Everything's fine. But where you have a manager that kind of gets antsy as well and doesn't want you to shadow, that's where I kind of go. Hold on a second. There's something. There could be something that's not right here. Yeah, no, I, I think what you're talking about is kind of the atmosphere and the mood is important too, not just yeah. the metrics. Correct. Correct. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I remember on a previous conversation we had last week, Lizzie, those quote you gave that really jumped out to me. I think it fits in here. You said, uh, if they, being the vendors, aren't successful, I'm not successful. I was wondering if you yeah. could talk a little bit more about that and the, yeah. the relationship as almost the in-between. Correct. You do have to be that middleman between the vendor and, and the employees because when everything's going great, they look to the vendor like they're brilliant. But at the same time, if something goes wrong, and it might not even be the vendor's fault, sometimes what can happen is, is that it can have this kind of them versus us mentality. So if there's an issue that went wrong or there's been a mistake somewhere along the line, it's very easy to blame the vendor. And that's something that I stick myself in the middle of. And even just, you know, when Alan, you mentioned there about when you, you know, go to a vendor site and what you look at, what, you know, do you think they're a good vendor and, and the feel that you get, I suppose, from my side, how I establish a relationship with a vendor is that I tell them, I will be your advocate. I will defend you. However, if you keep making the same type of mistake and there's something wrong and, you know, I'm offering my help or to block, to fix any gaps or any um, training issues or anything that you, you need, because I'll, I'll first think, I'll try and think, is it is it the vendor's fault? Probably not, because there's probably something else that could attribute you to why they made that mistake. But when you're giving everything you can to make sure that they're, they're, the issue doesn't happen and the issue keeps having it uh, keeps happening again and again that's when you've got a problem that's where I would you know come down harder on, on, on a vendor to make sure that they're delivering I feel that like I said it can be very easy to blame the vendor but I don't I don't think it's always the case I feel like it's my role to be their advocate and to make sure that they're being protected at the end of the day I do stand by it I'm not successful unless, unless they're successful they, they're not going to be successful if I'm not successful we're, we're all on the one team and that's you know when it comes to Talking to people, particularly when I think of the sales renewal vendor that, that I managed, I used to talk to sellers across the globe and say, say to them, guys, you need to look at these people as an extension of your sales arm because you're giving your your sellers all this training and stuff. But, you know, you don't realize it, but this vendor is doing the exact same work and they need just as much attention and just as much training as your full time sellers because they're out representing you. And so, you know, they're, they're things that I kind of really try and push and make sure that the vendors are getting identified for the value that they're delivering. Fantastic. Yeah, I really like the bit you said there about seeing the vendors as an extension. We had an interview last week with two gentlemen and they mentioned one thing that they do is have the vendor in the same Slack channels as some of their engineers. So I was yeah. wondering when, when it comes to making the vendors feel as part of that actually working practice. So, for example, if I bring it back to the sales vendor that I managed, I would have talked to sellers that were based all over the globe. And 
you know, once I was able to kind of articulate the value that the vendor was bringing, I was bringing them in to attend MBRs, QBRs. And, you know, for the vendor to actually see that these people are investing their time to attend these sessions to see the value that they're bringing, I feel like that kind of number one makes them feel like they're really a part of the team. And number two, it makes them step their game up as well to make sure that they're delivering the goods. And then, you know, another thing I managed to do in that time was try and get people from those different global sales teams to come to come and do a vendor site visit. And if the the dollars weren't there to allocate that, then I would have tried to arrange to do kind of virtual trainings. That type of investment in time and energy towards a vendor really goes a long way from a morale perspective. You know, I always found it really cool to see when you go to go to vendor sites and they have all their kind of merch, even though they're working for a different company, but they're so proud to work. Um, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it's really nice to see what I'd also do as well, you know, in the role that I'm in, like the vendors that I manage, the two vendors that I manage at the moment globally, they're awesome. They really, really, really work hard. And when, like I said, I'm not successful unless they're successful. And when it comes to having big wins or, or success stories and you get acknowledgement from senior leadership team, I always make sure that I kind of I forward them on to the, to the team and call those folks out because that gives them such a boost because they can see the work that they're doing like really goes a long way. So like that's the way that I look at it is that they are a part of the success and they, they need to they need to be included. Absolutely. Yeah. Another thing that I think is very important you've kind of mentioned is as well as Communication is the power of the individual. I think last time we spoke, you mentioned a time where on the vendor side, there's one one staff member was absent for an extended period and that led to significant issues. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that story a bit more for the audience. Yes. On that particular instance, you know, when it comes to, again, was that, that sales um, renewal vendor. Basically, in my role, I would be making sure that I'm tracking performance on a weekly basis. And basically, you would look at all the expiring deals that were due to, to renew and you kind of can see them move through where they're at from a pipeline perspective. And I know for that particular situation, there was I noticed there hadn't been movement in a particular country. And I'd, I'd flagged it to the kind of head relations person or I flagged it to the team lead initially to say, hold on, why, why is there no movement here? And they said, oh, the person's out of office, but they'll be back. I kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt and I said, okay, cool. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. And it was still quite early in the month. We had a lot of time still to kind of move move the opportunities and in, in down the pipeline. But basically it came to week two and the deals hadn't moved yet. And I was thinking, okay, there's definitely something wrong here. And it turned out that the agent had been unwell. But the problem is, is that you're reliant on the, the particular vendor due to the language capability, we're reliant on that particular employee. And that's where you need to kind of push on your leadership in the vendor team so that they're making sure that they have all their boxes ticked, making sure that they're not reliant on one particular individual. And that in that situation, they were. And it was going to it hadn't affected our business yet, but it had the capability to to affect it. I escalated it then to head relationship manager within the, the vendor team. And I told them the issue and they understood that, you know, this is an issue because there's no there was no date as to when this particular agent was going to come back, and they said, "Lizzie, we don't know what to do because that's the only person that speaks that language in the Dublin site, and we don't know when he's going to come back." Because I had a very good relationship with with that lead, and to be honest with you as well, he didn't really have a leg to stand on because he knew that this is a service that they're contractually obliged to deliver, 
And it's they're in charge of their hiring to make sure that they have enough folks to provide the, the required um, targets. So with that, kind of got my thinking hat on because in that particular uh, line of business and vendor location, that particular venture had five locations worldwide and they had one location in the States. And there, there was somebody that was covering the Brazil market and based the market that we were missing was Portuguese. So I basically said, okay, is it possible that we pull on Brazil agent that's based in the States to cover these calls? He was like, yes, that's no problem. And basically they got it, they got it in place. Within a day or two, they had an agent making sure that they're calling those customers based in Portugal and no, no targets were missed. Everything worked well. I would say that that's potentially a training issue in terms of, whilst you can't expect someone to just teach them a language for the job, there are certain elements that you will need to teach vendors. I was wondering if you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how you approach training when it comes to your vendors. The way that we kind of would do it in general would be a very much kind of a train the trainer approach. The work or the vendors that we would deal with would be fairly large, big companies, but they would also make sure that they would have their own kind of leadership and development team within the vendor. And we would have program managers in our business who would have, you know, created the work instructions, call scripts, all that type of stuff. And they would conduct the trainings with learning and development team within the vendor site. And it's kind of, you train them, you make sure that they know how to do everything correctly. And then you would expect them to make sure that they're, they're, they keep kind of like a like a SharePoint site with all the, the trainings that, that were required so that when they decide to onboard new staff, therefore it enables them to be able to, to, tra- to train them correctly. So I suppose at the beginning, it's very much you you make sure that you're giving them all the tools and training required to do the job they're doing. You identify whether there's any gaps and if they have any more um, help wanted. And after after the vendor confirms that they have everything that they need, they're good to go. You've shadowed them for a period of time. Then I suppose they're kind of on their own in a way. And then that would be when I suppose my role will come into play to make sure that they're, they're doing everything that they should be doing. It sounds like shadowing is a really key practice on your part. It's very diagnostic, isn't it? Yes. So I think, it de- I think Alan, it depends on the, the person. I like to be, um, I, I know other people that do my role, similar role within the company, and they kind of have a laissez-faire approach. Um, I know at the beginning for me that I suppose for me, I've moved into different areas of the business with each vendor that I've managed. And I like to know what they're doing. I don't, I'm not a SME in that particular work that they do, but I like to have an idea and know how things work. You know, I will sit with an agent or a processor and follow how they're doing things. And in that, there's times where you can identify opportunity to do things differently, you know, look at best practice from other places. I know that in my second role, I did a lot of call shadowing in um, when I was managing the sales renewal engine team. I inherited another program, another line of business of renewals. So I was basically managing the same vendor, but they were doing two different programs off that that they were renewing. So two different products, essentially product offerings. And when I inherited the second product offering program itself, it was not in great nick. Um, It had kind of been left a bit to it hadn't really been managed there was no qbrs there's no mbrs no one was really tracking the performance there and i kind of was just like wow like this is there's a lot of work to be done here and because i had the other program up and running really well i could kind of see what worked and what didn't work and when i shadowed the new product offering i could see what really didn't work 
And with that, then it was actually one of the best projects I've ever worked on was basically ripping apart that program landscape and rebuilding it again. So it was really cool. I felt like although I worked for a big company, I was kind of felt like I was involved in a startup because I was the one writing the call scripts. I was the one working with the sellers to make sure that is this how you would approach it and all that type of stuff. So it's it's something that I, I really, really enjoyed being a part of. But yeah, I do. I, I like to shadow every now and again. I would what I would do is actually when I first moved into this particular role, one thing that I did was I would learn one new thing every month. Like obviously the first few months I'm shadowing all the time. But after that, I would learn, I would take book time with the learning and uh, training team. I'd ask them to train me how to uh, generate an invoice, how to um, validate a contract, all that type of stuff. Because I feel like their their work that your vendors are doing, you need to have an idea how things are. are you have to have, I feel like it's important as I'm the face of that vendor. I need to know what they're doing and, and the work that they do. So, and then I suppose also one of the things that we would have from a vendor standpoint would be a scorecard. So on a monthly basis, you would do a scorecard um, to track the performance. And one of the, when I created the new program in the sales space, the sales renewal, renewal space, I created the scorecard. And one of the elements that you would track their performance on was actually doing call shadowing and making sure that they're doing using the call script correctly they're asking the right questions and that once it was in the scorecard that's when you really get folks on board because they know that they 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 need to make sure that they're 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 doing everything correctly i think this has come up a couple of times but i think what you've done is demonstrate the link between metrics and relationships and how each productively produce each other exactly spot on and uh, I was wondering if we could we'll move on slightly because as much as when the relationship is on, great, it's fantastic. Evans kind of work like clockwork, but unfortunately, good things don't last forever. I remember um, last week you told us an amazing story about how uh, you managed an outgoing vendor transition. I was wondering to finish off, you could tell us that story at the class. Sure. Basically, we had a vendor that was being onboarded and they were replacing another vendor. And this all happened during the pandemic so there was no you know you weren't able to physically go to the new vendor to meet them or to to try and onboard them you know personally I suppose and that's that in itself was definitely something new that I've haven't experienced before Um, and I suppose another thing I hadn't experienced was actually offboarding another vendor and that was something that was very difficult because the vendor that was being offboarded they were brilliant. They delivered everything. But it, again, it was a decision, a strategic decision that was made from leadership that this was how it was meant to be. And I think the relationship that I had with the managers in the, the vendor that was being offboarded was really, really good in the sense that they were so invested in in, in delivering um, and working and proud to be working. And I, I know that they knew that I had no say in the fact that they were being offboarded. But and, and and therefore, we ended up maintaining a really, really good relationship um, on the offboarding. And we actually asked them to help us onboard our new vendor and train and train them in the, the work that, that we needed them to do or help not so much train them, but to kind of shadow the work that they do. And we kind of had an approach whereby the we had the new vendor and the old vendor and originally we started off giving, you know, 20% of the workload to the, the new vendor and the 80% to the old vendor. And we kind of adjusted the percentages over time 
to kind of gently ease the new vendor into into the mix. But what we actually had was like a hypercare approach where we had a, a call every day with the old vendor and the new vendor to assess the work that the, the work that was being done. And it was, I suppose it's something that I actually personally reached out to the vendor manager lead and the, the old vendor to say that I got highly commend and I'm super grateful for, you know, your team, your management team, because, you know, in every hypercare call that we had, they were they didn't budge once on the standard that was required that the that the new vendor needed to do to step up to to get to the level that that was required so i mean they could have easily just said yeah we're going to help you and we're going to like we'll, we'll audit the work they do and you know everything's fine everything looks good but like they didn't they were really harsh in every single call and um, because they were so thorough in the fact that they knew what the standard what standard was required and they were they were just amazing I mean like initially when I realized that this is how it was going to be approached I was a bit nervous I thought okay this is a bit odd you know I've never really experienced this where you have an old vendor teaching a new vendor how things are going to be done but I think it shows the due to the the pride and the the good relationship that we that we have with that old vendor that they really really wanted the best for for the business for for our business so yeah they were they were an amazing team yeah i remember being a bit blown away when you told that story last week it's amazing to see how major kind of corporations like have that kind of personal feel and the benefits that, that can produce oh, yeah. on the vendor side as well absolutely i think that's very much the people i feel like it's important to have like for example, I had I have a weekly one to one with the managers that I I I I work with that are that work for the two vendors that I manage, and like honestly, the first I feel like it's the same you know when it comes to not just a vendor relationship but even just with your peers. I think it's really important to genuinely ask them how they are, like because I, like I'll always ask the vendor manager, even though technically in their eyes I'm I'm the client. Um, I'll always ask them how their family or how, how how how's the team. That's the first thing I'll ask is like, how's the team doing? How's morale? How's everyone getting on having to work remotely and all that type of stuff. And then ask the, the vendor manager themselves, how's how are you keeping? How are you judging juggling working from home and having two little kids running around the place? Like those type of interactions, even though you work for a big company, they're the ones I feel um, will really help when you know there it creates a, an element of loyalty so much so that i have the whatsapp numbers of my vent of the managers that i deal with so if we have a situation i know it's happened a couple of the last few weekends whereby we've needed their help to do there could be critical um, uh, things that we need the vendor to help us with so for example in asia at the moment a lot of customers are experiencing cyber attacks and it's it's really sad to say that's what the the way things are in the world right now. We have more and more customers that are impacted with cyber attacks, and the work that our vendor does can help them against that. And I've had the managers on my on my WhatsApp, and there's been times where I've had to call them on on a Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning, and going, guys, I need your help. We've got a customer that's impacted. Can you find someone that can help us? You know, do this particular piece of work for the um, at the weekend. You know, technically that's not. They're not supposed to do that, but because we have that relationship with them and it's, you know, and we're all on the same, we all are on the same team to, to achieve the same goal and do right by our customers. They support us, which is just fantastic. So in, in a way, that kind of interaction is part of the, it's not part of the written contract, but it's more part of the social contract that's built over time. Yes. And that, that happens by, ha- by building a really good relationship with your vendor. 
That's absolutely fantastic, Lizzie. You've definitely given us a lot of uh, fantastic insights and insights that I hope the class can use and as they go about their careers after this, after this Masters. I'd like to thank this moment to take this moment to thank Lizzie for very much for her time, taking her uh, you know half an hour or so out of her busy Tuesday evening for her, of course, to speak to us today. And uh, we're truly grateful for a lot of the knowledge you've shared with us today. It's been truly valuable. Thanks so much, Lizzie. My pleasure, Shane. Thanks so much to Shane and the team and to Alan for having me.